Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. So we're continuing our series in the book of Luke. And we're in the, the middle of a series of passages where Jesus is talking about money. And uh, last week, Ash did a fabulous job of looking at the parable of the shrewd servant. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, and, and then after this text that I'm dealing with today, there's another famous parable that Jesus tells about money as well. When it comes to people, there's two, you can find two groups of people in, particular, in, in some areas. And one, one is you meet these people who are self-condemners. They're sort of really down on themselves and they seem acutely aware of their shortcomings and their faults and their misgivings. And they seem to spend their, their whole time apologising to other people for, for who they are and what they've done. Uh, I was reminded of this the other day. I was at a table with somebody and this woman had a drink bottle on the table. And I, I moved my stuff and it knocked her drink bottle over. And before I could say anything, she'd apologised. And, and I didn't want to embarrass her further, but I'm thinking in my mind, I, I, you shouldn't be apologising. I'm the one who should be apologising to you. But I think she, she was just the whole time feeling defensive and, and condemned and put down and, and apologetic. You meet people like that sometimes, but you're, you're far more likely to meet somebody who is a self-justifier as opposed to a self-condemner. The sort of person who is never wrong. Uh, who, who is trying to prove themselves right all the time. And, and if they make a mistake, they, they either deny it or shift the blame to somebody else. Uh, and, and for them, it's all very much about their public image and appearing right all the time in, in everybody's eyes. And the, the Pharisees definitely fit, fit into that category. They were uh, a particular group of religious people in the in, in, in time of Jesus who prided themselves on the way that they were able to keep the law of God. And they dressed in a distinctive way, and they had very distinctive practices. And generally, they were respected. Generally, people looked at them and said, yes, these people are really good at keeping God's law. They were very strict about the Sabbath and very strict about their eating rituals. But what they did was they even went a step further, and this is something that self-justifiers will do, is that they came up with a set of rules that they were very good at keeping themselves. So they sort of work backwards. They say, look, I'm, I'm good at observing the Sabbath, so let's write a whole lot of rules about them that we already follow so that we can say, hey, we're meeting the rules exactly, but you're not. And, and, and in doing so, making themselves feel better. And that's something the self-justifiers tend to do. They tend to identify the things that they're doing well make the rules around those, and then condemn anybody who doesn't meet those rules. Anyway, so that, they were the Pharisees, and they were one of the groups, the religious groups, in Jesus' time. Uh, and they took particular offence to Jesus' teaching on money. And, and perhaps the, the, the verse 13 was what really got under their, their skin, uh, where, where Jesus seems to be addressing them when he says, "'No servant can serve two masters.'" For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then in the, the passage we're looking today, in the very next verse, uh, we read how they responded. The Pharisees who loved money. Now it's interesting, Luke very rarely puts in these little 
comments of his own. But this, this is Luke's voice we're hearing here. This is not something the Pharisees are saying. It's not something Jesus is saying. This is Luke adding his little detail in. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, so Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And you might read those verses. Interesting, the heading there is additional teachings in the NIV. So they're sort of saying we're not quite sure how all this fits together. But hopefully today you'll see what Luke was trying to say to us as he put together these sayings of Jesus in this particular point. First thing is that we see that they were sneering at Jesus. And the word sneering is literally looking down their noses at Jesus. Uh, they, they were particularly uh, uh, offended by his message about money and, and, being, and, and loving wealth. And that was because they were wealthy, or they loved money anyway. And, and part of their belief was that the way that God showed he approved somebody was to give them wealth. And so they were saying, well, we're wealthy, therefore God is showing his approval to us. And then here is this man who is poor, Jesus is poor, and he is being followed by poor people, and he is daring to teach us about money. And so they're looking down their nose and sneering at him and saying, what a load of rubbish. Who would listen to you, Jesus, about money? But Jesus is ruthless in condemning their attitude. As he says in 15a there, uh, you are are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. They were all about external appearance. They looked good. They dressed good. They were in the right places at the right time. They were seen at at the temple. They were seen putting money in the offering dish at the temple. You remember there's other stories in the Gospels about, about the way that the Pharisees were, were very public in their giving. When they walked down the street and they saw a poor person, they gave them money, but they made sure that everybody saw what they were doing with the money. But Jesus is condemning of it because he's saying, you're just concerned about the external appearance, and more importantly, you've got the wrong audience. You've got the wrong audience. You are trying to make yourself look good before people when what you should be doing is making yourself look good before God if such a thing is possible. Jesus is reiterating that message he said in verse 16. You can have one master. You can either love God or you can love money. And in this, Jesus is saying effectively, you just love money. But he goes on in his condemnation. He he condemns their public righteousness, but he also condemns their private corruption. Because in verse 15b, he says, God knows your hearts. 
God knows your heart. So he doesn't look at the externals. That's sort of a theme throughout the Bible. God doesn't look at the outside. God doesn't look like people look like what they physically do. He looks at the heart. And when he looks at the heart, he sees a very different thing. And Jesus is at pains in the Gospels to reiterate the significance of our hidden lives and that God is interested in our hidden lives, not just our external lives, or less, or more so than our external lives. And there's the famous passage in the, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, if you lust for a woman, you commit adultery. It's, it's not just the physical, it's what's going on in your mind, it's what's going on underneath. If you, if you get angry with somebody, that's as bad as committing murder. Why is that the case? Because God looks at the heart. He looks past the superficial and the external and sees what is really going on. And then the third thing that Jesus condemns, and this comes a little bit later, but you can see here what, what Luke is doing. He's, saying, he's bringing out a particular way that the Pharisees at the time were involved in moral manipulation. What was the practice at the time was that there was a big debate about divorce in, in Israel at that time, we know. And amongst different groups of, of teachers of the law and Pharisees had different teachers and different rabbis. But there was a definite strand of, of or a group of, of men, and possibly these Pharisees, who believed that it was appropriate to divorce your wife on almost any grounds. Now, what that meant for the woman was, to some extent, it's still the case in Australia today, sadly, but it, was a, it resulted in destitution for the woman because the men controlled all the money and the women were not allowed to work. And so if, if a wife was divorced and for whatever reason couldn't return to her home, it was sending her into, into poverty or, or prostitution. And, and it was so as divorce was a terrible thing in those days, but the Pharisees had worked their moral compass, distorted it to such an extent that they were going around saying, if, a wife, if your wife burns your dinner, you can divorce her. Seriously. And, and there were some who were even saying, if, your wife, if you find another wife or another potential wife who is better than your current wife, that can be a justification for divorce. And there, were, there was a variation. There were other schools that were more, more strict. But clearly Jesus is making the point here that in their moral distortion, not only were they being focused on public righteousness and ignoring their private corruption, but that they were involved in moral manipulation as well, twisting the law around to, to suit themselves and teaching other people to follow those same distorted rules. And so in the, in the face of the Pharisees sneering at Jesus' teaching about money, he condemns their public righteousness, their private corruption, and their moral manipulation. And in verse 15, he says what they're doing is actually detestable before God. This is not just that God doesn't approve of what you're doing. God doesn't like what you're doing. God detests this sort of attitude, this sort of moral superiority. They, they failed on multiple fronts. They failed in external focus, and they failed in who they were trying to prove themselves to. They failed with their money and they failed with their marital status and their practices of divorce. 
pretty bold condemnation. So, what's it mean to us? Well, we need to be aware of self-justification. That's my message for today. What tends to happen is that as Christians, we are concerned about acting and living in a moral way, and we're part of a community that seeks to act morally. Uh, and what can happen over, over the years is that we can get pretty good. You know, I, I'm, I'm making a fair guess that nobody committed murder this week. Hands up. Uh, uh, and nobody committed adultery. Double hands up. Okay. Uh, that, that generally, if, you, if you're in the Christian life for a while, you, 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 don't, you don't make the big, bad, moral, out, out external sins. You, you don't go robbing people. You don't go assaulting people. But to do that is to lose sight of what Jesus is saying here and the message that comes through the whole Bible, that God doesn't look at the externals, God looks at the heart. And we can have this external show of being holy and pure and moral, but underneath we can be rotten to the core. And that's the bit that really, really counts. There's a a saying which should send fear through our hearts, and, and that is, our thoughts are words in the ear of God. Our thoughts are words in the ear of God. Hate is murder in the heart. Unfaithful thoughts are adultery. Greed is idolatry. And this truth that he conveys here and conveys right throughout his his life here on earth is is the edge of his evangelism strategy. He's going to people who are self-righteous, self-justifiers, and saying, you're not good enough. And you're not good enough, not because of your external appearance, not because even though you impress other human beings about your moral moral goodness, you're not good enough because of your heart. And God sees the heart. And you need to do something. And and Jesus' message should leave us, if you're a self-justifier, either angry or in the situation of going, well, what do I do? But that's, that's where Jesus wants to get us to. He wants to get us to the point where we're going, I know my heart's rotten. So what, what, do, I, so what do I do, Jesus? What do I do? And of course, that's where grace comes in, isn't it? That's where Jesus says, I'll die in your place so, you, so that your heart can be, can be made pure. And so we, we, we need to... Beware of self-justification, particularly in our relationship with God. Our stance, our posture before God needs to continuously be one of repentance, not self-justification. We need to beware of coming before God and saying, gee, I've been pretty good this week. Haven't murdered anybody, haven't committed adultery, haven't robbed anybody. No. We need to constantly come before God and saying, I know I had mixed motives for when I did that. I know that when I, when I did that, I was trying to hurt that person. Nobody else could see it. It didn't look like that on the surface, but I know that's why I did it. We should tremble when we realise that God sees our heart. He sees our thoughts. He sees our motives. 
He sees our desires. We especially need to be aware of self-justification in our homes. Our inclination is that when we, we, we do something wrong, we stuff up in our homes or in, in the places where the, with the people we live with, we want to deny it. We want to cover it up. We want to blame somebody else. It's, that's just the craziest thing because after God, the people who know us best are the people we live with. And we might be able to fool people out in the street, but we will never be able to fool the people we live with because they see through it, because they're with us all the time. They see the motives. They see what's going on underneath the surface. Not perfectly, but a lot better than the average person does. And so we should be quick, particularly in our homes, to apologise. On our front lines. You see people at work or on your front lines, wherever they are, who spend their lives trying to cover up their inadequacies, trying to cover up their mistakes, trying to shift the blame, denying they've made a mistake. Don't be that person in your front line. Be the person who is marked by authenticity. Be the person who's marked by humility. Be quick to say, I messed up. Because that's a powerful witness in the place where most people are trying to cover up and deny their shortcomings. And we need to be self-aware of self-justification when it comes to our money. And I'm aware that I think at Windsor Road that that we are such an incredibly generous church. And I think if there's an area that we're we're doing reasonably okay in, it's it's this. But we do still need to be careful and, and run those checks And be careful that we're not using our money in such a way to self-justify ourselves. And and a guy called Philip Ryken has these scenarios which can help us to see whether we are slaving away with respect to money, that we are slaves to money. He says, when you have anxiety all the time about finances, it means that you have no trust in God and therefore money is your master and we are its slaves. If you work so long that you have to say no to other important things in your life, then money is your master and you are its slave. If you spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about buying things, Riken would suggest money is your master and you are its slave. If you make unwise decisions about your employment status, money is your master and you're its slave. If you're fixated on a possession that somebody else has and that you want for yourself, money is your master and you're its slave. If your life is dominated by complaining rather than rejoicing, Perhaps money is your master and you're its slave. If you struggle to give something up in order to make a sacrificial financial gift, then perhaps money is your master and you are its slave. Ouch. But there's an interesting contrast in this passage between the Pharisees 
and those who are forcing their way into the kingdom. So back to our, our text in, in, in chapter 16, it's sort of almost random, this verse that Luke puts in there, where he says, um, in the middle of it, the law and the prophets... Um, yeah, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. And uh, it's a notoriously difficult verse to interpret that, but, but, but I think it, it makes sense when we think about the contrast between the self-condemners and the self-justifiers. That the, the self-justifiers, the, the Pharisees, were, were quickly were, were denying, sneering Jesus distancing themselves from Jesus. But the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the outcasts and the sick and the demon-possessed and the lepers were busting their guts to get to Jesus. They were flooding towards Jesus. They were coming to him in the thousands, in the crowds. They were banging down doors. They were cutting holes in ceilings to get to Jesus. They were taking themselves out to remote places. They were climbing trees in order to get close to Jesus. And I think that's what, what Luke's pointing us to here. That while the Pharisees, the self-justifiers, looked down at the teaching of Jesus, the, the outsiders are forcing their way into his presence. So which group do we belong to? For the self-condemners, this is good news. This is the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel. It's saying that if you humble yourself and are repentant and apologetic and self-aware of what is going in in your heart and you come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, he freely gives it to you. That's the gospel message. And, and if, if you're there this morning and you've never taken that first step of, of coming to Jesus and saying, I'm a mess. My, my heart is, is putrid. My heart is disgusting. It's mixed motives and it's deceitful and it's evil. That's, take this opportunity this morning to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. And he wipes it clean. But if you are a self-justifier or have been a, a Christian for some time, if, if you are, are doing well externally in terms of your behaviour and moral life, just take a moment to be careful because we don't want to end up like the Pharisees. We don't want to be so concerned about what's going on on the outside and impressing people out there that we forget that God looks at what's going on on the inside and we need to impress him. And this message tells us this morning that regardless of where we are in the moral journey, we need God's grace more than ever. We still need God's grace. We still fall short. We need his grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this warning to the Pharisees. A group of people separated us from us by 2,000 years and an immense cultural gulf, but who potentially we look very much like. The self-righteous, the good people, the ones who uphold the sexual purity, the ones who don't commit adultery, the ones who don't commit murder, the ones who don't rob, the ones who don't do drugs. Oh, Lord, we're in a dangerous place, aren't we? Help us to never, never fall into the trap of the Pharisees, 
of self-justification, of thinking somehow if we impress the people around us, that we impress you. Remind us every day that you see our hearts and you don't like what you see. We don't like what we see. You find it detestable. But Lord, we thank you for the tremendous message of the gospel, good news for the broken, for those who are humble and, and poor of heart, that you bring forgiveness and restoration and purity and goodness. And so, Lord, we bring our hearts before you this morning and we cry out again, Lord, we need your grace more than ever today. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.